From the magnificent Midwest, it's the Suzanne Venker Show, where men and women are equal in value, but wildly different by nature. Join us here every week when we challenge the culture's hugely flawed narratives about men, women, sex, and love. From coast to coast and from around the world, thank you for joining us. So real quickly, I want to talk to you guys about cancel culture. If you're anything like me, you see the shutting down of voices that don't comply with the PC culture and you feel helpless to do anything about it. So if you are as concerned about this as I am and you feel the need to do something, I'm telling you supporting the show is a great way to do that. Because as you know, we're all about facing truths that the media won't and that the culture won't because it doesn't fit their agenda. And so literally what my podcast is about is, you know, fighting back against cancel culture and being um, truthful and honest and forthright in what in what people really need to hear to help them with their lives. And I don't want that shut down. So if you want to do something with that angst, when you read something about cancel culture, go to suzannevenkercom slash podcast and scroll down to the red, become a Patreon subscriber button. And you'll find four very economical levels to choose from. And depending on which tier you choose from, we offer giveaways and bonus episodes and even Q and A's with me. Again, that's suzannevenkercom slash podcast, a great way to fight back against cancel culture. And speaking of Patreon, a big shout out to Ian, who just became a yearly subscriber. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Ian. That's another option you guys have. If you don't like the monthly idea, you can, you can just do a one-time, I mean, an annual um, contribution as well. So thank you so much, Ian, for supporting the Suzanne Venker show. And now on with the show. So believe it or not, many men today are just as interested in having a happy marriage as are women. And they're actually great at becoming true partners in creating a great marriage. But they need guidance. Too many men grew up in homes where a father was absent physically or emotionally. And as a result, men often have faulty beliefs about what makes for a good marriage. In The Essential Guide for the Married Man, E. Paul Allerton provides the kind of wisdom many men wish they had gotten from a loving and knowledgeable father or grandfather. At the end of the day, navigating a successful marriage and a meaningful life comes down to your ability to lead yourself and then lead your family based on your actions. This podcast is going to be particularly helpful for those who have sons and who are concerned about the messages they're getting in school and in our culture. Help your sons know that the direction of their leadership as they get older will stem from their life's purpose, which is something so many boys are lacking today. A man's purpose determines the qualities of character he must develop. In order to serve his purpose, he must consciously choose and master the attitude and self-discipline necessary to navigate the storms of life. E. Paul Allerton is a director of themarriedman.net, a site providing men with resources to be great husbands and fathers. Over the past 25 years, Paul has coached hundreds of men, restoring dozens of marriages to thriving and loving relationships. He has been married for more than 35 years and has six children. Welcome to the show, Paul. Thank you. It's um, delightful to be here, and I really admire your work that uh, you do, your commitment to helping uh, relationships, which ultimately helps families. So glad to be here. Thank you. So happy to be here and tell everybody about your book, um, which I talked about at the opening. It's called, again, The Essential Guide for the Married Man. And before I get to an email to lead into all the details we're going to talk about, tell people why you wrote this book. Well, imagine for a moment a world where men are disciplined, committed, and generous. Right? They Men do what they need to do when it's required of them. They're committed to their marriages and their families, their purpose in the community, and they're generous. They've allowed sacrifice and service to overcome selfishness. That's the theme of the book. But the real why is the only way to save children from the pain of a broken marriage is to provide the men, the husbands and fathers, with the context, the attitude and understanding, and the skills to be disciplined, committed, and generous. And what I find fascinating is universally men aspire to be that. They just don't know how to get there. They need a guide. And that's the message of the book is to lead men to do that and, and to become the men they aspire to be. And one of the things that I know that's going to happen, I think I told you this when we talked before, Paul, is that, um, you know, I deal with a lot of men, or I hear from a lot of men, I should say, who, in effect, argue about how hard it is to um, be the ways that we're going to talk about, um, that you write about in your book, because 
women are not receptive or women are so, you know, all of the problems that have happened with women and how different they are today. And, 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 and they'll, they'll say, they'll listen to this and they'll say, well, I hear all of that, but um, that doesn't work today with today's, today's modern woman. What would you say to that? Uh, I would say it's like losing weight or getting in shape. Once you're in shape, it's a lot easier to stay in shape. So the hard work is to go from where they are now and to identify the gaps and use the guide to close those gaps. And once they start to experience themselves as that man, as a man who can be counted on, um, they will be much happier. Yeah, exactly. And, And when a man like that shows up, he is enormously attractive to women, even to the ones who say that's not what they want. Right. So is it fair that do you think it's fair to say that it's really just stop worrying about her and just worry about yourself? Yeah, my, my right? book is completely focused on stay on your side of the road. Here's the path. Here's how to be prepared. The problem is, good, you know, men and women enter marriage with false expectations and they fail, not because they don't have good intentions, because they fail because they don't know what they're doing. I mean, your your broadcast talks about how women treat women like men. Well, men are treating women like men and it doesn't work. And, and so if a man stays focused on, on his side of the street, where he's going, his mission, his purpose, he's going to attract a woman who believes and supports that. And it's going to be that much more enjoyable. Absolutely. Okay. So let's get into the meat of it. I'm going to open, I'm going to get into the, um, I'm, I'm going to open with an email from a woman named Lisa, which I just recently got, but it literally could be any week of any day of my life. I get these all the time. It's just sort of what I do on repeat, but it's a good segue into um, talking about all things we're going to talk about from your book. Okay. She writes, this is again from Lisa. Hello, Suzanne. My husband, um, uh, he's 39, she's 34. And I have been having a hard time over a couple of years And in the past couple months have been extremely rough. All my thoughts, feelings, wants, and needs that I didn't quite understand or know how to communicate have been shown to me. I'm an extremely strong-willed, passionate woman who knows what she wants and stands up for what I believe in, no matter who or what it is. What I realized is I need my husband to lead and to be the man in our relationship so I don't have to be. I need him to match my strength instead of backing down out of his laziness or perceived kindness or whatever the reason. I'm tired of wearing the pants in our relationship. I would really like him to read a couple of your articles, but I'm scared. And his defensiveness lately about everything has me walking on eggshells. Um, my instinct is to ask him if I should, you know, anyway, she's basically asking if I should, uh, if, she, if I suggest she has him listen to me or read something. But anyway, and, and then she just said, if you have any advice, it'd be appreciated. And I decided to read it for today because, and I told her I was going to do that because literally the answer to that is really going to be more specifically to directly to her husband. And that's exactly what your book does. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to have, I told her after I do this interview with you, just have him listen to this one podcast episode and maybe that will get the ball rolling. Excellent. Okay. And that sounds like so many women who they've been trained that they don't need a man. So they're trying to prove that they don't need one as opposed to learning how to become not dependent, not independent, but the challenge is being interdependent, you know, appreciating and admiring what is best about the other sex as opposed to trying to turn them into the, you know, what we are. Amen. Amen. Okay. So just to recap for everybody, I titled this episode for men only because this really is a podcast for men. Yeah. I know very little Um, about being a woman. (laughs) Well, I (laughs) I mean, that's what your book is geared toward is, again, the essential guide for married men, principles and lessons for navigating a successful marriage and a meaningful life. So this is something that I would give to my son, right? Yes. Yes, exactly. Who's about to be launched into the world. Okay. So I have, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, and the young, you know, the young men who have read it, um, you know, they are gravitating to it because there's nothing out there for them. Right. You know, as you know, 60 percent of the men are growing up without fathers in the house. Um, even and those those that are there are a lot of them are you know being nice to go along to get along and leads to the kind of email that you just wrote. So there's very little guidance. Maybe 10 percent at best have I, good guidance. There's no question about that. And just again, for anybody who's an avid listener of the Suzanne Banker show, they know that I've had a couple of other gentlemen on who have. Um, addressed in book form 
or in their coaching, the masculine feminine dynamic, sort of the flip side of what I teach with mm-hmm. my work. But the thing that makes yours different, if people are wondering, oh, is this another one of those, is that uh, Paul actually doesn't get into specifically the male-female dynamic. He's talking directly to men about how to be men, essentially, and that that, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, Paul, and that that will, by nature of doing that, bring the right woman into your life. And as long as you stay grounded in these 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 directives or whatever, you don't, it's sort of a given what you're saying about the dynamic. You don't, don't get into specifically talking about it. Is that fair? That's fair. Okay. Yeah, there, there are plenty other topics um, that talk about that and, and I'm not trained in that. What I, this is practical, um, simple things that men can do that will lead them in the right path. And also, sorry, I keep, I keep thinking we're about to do it. And then I backpedal. Um, Tell everybody how long you've been married, how many kids you have, and that you know of what you speak. That's sure. important. Um, well, I, I know this from two sides because I grew up in a conflict-ridden um, and broken home. Um, not as bad as many, but you know, bad enough to know that I knew I didn't know what I was doing. That was probably the best thing I knew. I knew I had no idea what I was doing. So I, when I got married at, at 23, I went on a quest to t- try to figure that out. And so we have successfully raised uh, six children. The last one is in college. Um, and we've been married for 37 years, and um, as our marriage is more playful and passionate now than it's ever been, and that's that's my wish. That's my wish for yeah, all the couples, for the children to grow up in that kind of home, to have a loving and secure home. And and it is possible. You know, it's, is this a a grandiose endeavor? Yeah, we have a lot of ground to cover, but it is entirely possible because deep down, men my experience with men is they, they desire to be that man. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, how old is your youngest? Uh, my youngest is 20 and uh, senior in college. Okay. So you are officially empty nesters. Yep. Yes. And what is your wife's name, Paul? Uh, Nancy. Nancy. Okay. All right, here we go. So I'm just going to ask you, there's so much in here, you guys, and I can't cover all of it. So you're going to want to get it a copy obviously and read it for yourself. But I just, chose um, the most significant things um, that I thought would make for um, a great podcast episode. So I'm going to start with number one. You talk about one of the very first things at the beginning of the book is knowing where you are going. And I'm going to quote you now. You said, before a man contemplates living with a woman, he must know where he is going and be on his way to going there. The older he gets, the clearer he should be and the further along his path he should be. Now, I'm going to pause there and tell you something personal and then also tell you what I'm seeing over and over in coaching. I can't tell you the number of women who are marrying men who have not um, found their professional footing. And they are hoping and planning that they will help them along to get there. And it is disastrous. And I'm going to use an example of what happened to me Um that I I can't exactly say why I knew this, but I'll just, anyway, when I met my second husband, I was married before, um, 23 to 27, no kids, remarried um, since the age of 30. I'm now 52. So that was sort of the trajectory. But when I met my husband, he had several years into his, launched his new career. But prior to that, he was in school. He stayed in school, got his master's. He was going to teach. He, he, um, he changed his mind. So he had to find a new career. And I said to him, literally, like in the first date or two, um, and and we got along very well. So it was very honest from the get go, but there were no real games. But I was very clear that once I learned where he had been in his 20s, because <laughs> he was 33 when I met him, um, I said, I would never have gone out with you. I just would not have gone out with you. So it's a, it was sort of a good thing that by the time I came along, he was several years into the new um, to the new career plan. And he wasn't rich, right? He, he just, but he was on a very clear path. path. And I was very clear with him. This made a huge difference in the fact that you're dating me at all. And he was totally fine with it because mm-hmm. he learned that the hard way that when he was floundering, he wasn't getting <laughs> the right dates anyway. Right. So anyway, I'm, I'm pointing that out to say, I don't think people feel that, um, I don't feel like, I feel like they don't think they can be that honest up front with their, mm-hmm. when they're dating, but you should be. Do you agree? Yes. Oh, absolutely. And, and the, the, the challenge is with so many young men being raised by mothers, they want them to be happy. And no man who wants written on his tombstone, at least he was happy. 
So men are, are sacrificing meaning in their life and, and purpose and commitment for this thing that men don't even value. Life is not about being happy. Life is about what we have to give and contribute. And, and, and that desire to, to produce a legacy is deep rooted in a man. And deep, 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 deep. And it's, and, and you're calling it, and it's purpose. That's what it is, right? It's purpose. And there is no question that American men are lacking purpose today. And this is not what the show is about today, but we know that that is true. Um, so that's almost its own podcast, but you have to know that before you get married is basically what you're, what right. you're saying, here, right? You know, so when I invest a lot of time, you know, helping men or going working with the scouts, my wife encourages that because she believes in what I'm what I'm doing. Yeah. Right? If if she if I was doing something different, it would would not work as well. What a shame about the scouts, right? That it's <sighs> gone down. I mean, it's. I mean, talk about. I mean, we don't hear that at all. But that's another huge factor of of making men men, boys mm-hmm. men, right? That's, the scouts were a norm, were the norm back in the day. Right. And and very clear on the character development. And, mm-hmm. and again, I, I write in the book, you can't teach a man anything, what you have to do. And that's what women do. They try to teach them, right? Yep. What you have yep. to do is create an experience and then connect their experience to the principle, and then they will trust their own experience. And that's what yeah. the what, why I invest so much time in the book talking about the principles that make all of this work. And scouting works because it's an experience-based leadership development program. They they learn and 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 the more experience a man has, the more skills he has, the more confidence he he, he has, and then from with that confidence he can lead himself and then lead others. A man can't lead others until he learns how to lead himself. No, absolutely. And, and the book is a guide to help lead themselves. Okay, so you move from um, knowing where you're going to to talking a good amount about your attitude, which again I love that. So go ahead and tell everybody why attitude is literally the whole enchilada. Well, it's it's the whole enchilada because your our attitude is the lens through which we see the world. It is our perception. It's not reality, and it colors our response. So. If, you know, I always said, I'd rather, you know, hire someone who would do a great job at a shitty task than do a, you know, a good job at a, you know, mm-hmm. a, a, a good task. Um, so what's one of the things that's in there is the attitude assessment tool very early on. And it's a tool, it's a four by four grid designed to help men um, see where they are, right? The first step is always paying attention. I can't go where get anywhere unless I know what I am. And you know, men are so competitive that they will change their behavior to manipulate the score. So if you look at, well, I was procrastinating a lot today, or I was kind of, I was the quitter, um, the men will look at that score and they'll say, well, tomorrow I got to be better. So they'll actually change their behavior. Again, this is, this is what gives me hope is that they desire to be that servant leader, mm-hmm. but they don't know how to get it. And so the, the, the request, the uh, attitude assessment tool is just one uh, terrific little tool that any man can use to help propel himself uh, in the right direction. Okay. So I'm looking at that attitude assessment tool and you're, you have, you have things in, it's in like a quadrant with a circle in the middle mm-hmm. where you've written the disruptor, the quitter, the procrastinator along for the ride. And then the servant leader, which of course the servant leader is the ideal. So tell everybody a little, let's go through these. Um, well, first of all, it's, it's measured on a two, um, two axis grid. So on the horizontal, you have um, whether you blame others or you take initiative, right? You know, you're resigned or you, um, you act, or you do nothing. So in the bottom left-hand corner, you have the quitter, right? I've, it's somebody else's fault and, and I'm not going to do anything about it. And, you know, a lot of men move up because, you know, we're prone to action, but we're not necessarily prone to you know, purpose. So they become the disruptor. They're the ones who are saying, oh, this isn't going to work, right? They're saying why something can't work. And they're taking, you know, they're moving away from, um, you know, the, the, the goal, um, you move over on the bottom. A lot of the modern men are they're profound procrastinators because they lack confidence in themselves. They never take action. They know that something needs to be done, but they just keep putting it off and putting it off. Um, so if you combine, I take responsibility and I take initiative, that leads us to be the servant leader. Um, I think a lot of the the husbands that you're talking about are in this middle quadrant where they're just along for the ride. They're waiting for their wife to tell them what to do. 
right? They're, yes. they're not causing any problems, but they're not contributing, right? They're just now, waiting. Is he, is, does he have the combination of the disruptor, the quitter, and the procrastinator, or is he separate from? Uh, the... Yeah, sort of separate, sort of right in the middle. You know, good enough not to be bad, but not yeah, right, got it. right? Yeah. They're um, enough to be irrelevant. Oh, Paul, that's, yeah, that's, say that again. Those those men are irrelevant. They're 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 not doing any damage, but they're not uh, fulfilling uh, their their mission and purpose. And what would you do if they for these these people are listening to this and they would say, "Well, the reason why I go along to get along is because she makes it impossible for me to lead." Well, then I would have them read the book about the sections on responsibility and the other elements, right? I say, okay. focus on your side of the road, right? Never, you know, there's a lot of little, um, you know, uh, principles. Never use anyone else's actions or inactions as mm -hmm. an excuse for your own. It doesn't matter what she does or doesn't do. And as a matter of fact, when you start to lead, she will follow. Absolutely. And it, it, again, it's the exact flip of what I tell women. If you stop leading, he will have to lead. You just stop it. Just, right. just don't. Don't step in and let him, you know, and a great example of that is I've known people, I've known a lot of wives who, no, well, not a lot, but I've heard in my coaching a lot of um, stories where the man will lose his job and the woman jumps in to save the day out of fear, of course, because she's she, she wants security. Yes. And so she goes to get the money because he's not making it rather than when he loses his job saying something like, that's okay. You'll figure it out. I trust you. We'll get there and just keep mm -hmm. pumping him up. The moment you step in to become, to do his job, so to speak, and that gets into another conversation. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying, I'm just saying that if he, if you, if you begin to provide what he wants to provide and should provide, then it's going to make him not provide. He's just going to back up. Right. I, they don't understand exactly why that is. Can you explain sort of what goes on in a guy's mind as to um, how doubt doubt it, it's again, a lot of it comes back to, to doubt. Doubt will paralyze a man and, and you have to find ways to restore his confidence. And again, the, the foundation of that is obviously all of his, his experiences and his skills. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of wives are overwhelmed by that thinking that they're, husbands are have been so damaged by a b c d reason and of course they can't do it for them that's that's true but they can certainly be a support system yes yeah. as opposed to being an adversary for sure and and to i think you know you were talking about this with uh allison to uh, acknowledge and appreciate him right you know a man's career is not some privilege that he has that women have been cheated out of it's our way of providing for and protecting our family it's the, the, mm -hmm. the you know Men go out and do, you know, the hard, dirty jobs so that they can provide their family security. And and women have, I think, lost the appreciation for that. No question they have. And he's referring to the Alison Armstrong, um, for those who are listening, uh, wondering who Alison is. The Alison Armstrong interview that I re that was a rebroadcast a couple weeks ago. Um, okay, so let's move on to self-discipline. So after attitude, you have a whole section here on self-discipline and you write after mastering your attitude, self-discipline is the second most important quality that you must develop. This is your ability to do what you know you need to do when you need to do it, regardless of how you feel about it. And the last part is important, right? Because men will use how they feel about something to make a decision whether they're going, they're going to do it, right? We have to allow our commitment to drive and dictate what we do. And, and if a, if a man can, ha and I write about this, you know, a man should have a daily discipline, something he does every morning. And if he does, it could be as simple as saying, you know, your prayers, uh, some pushups, I happen to do one more push up than my age. So I keep, you know, and my wife, you know, this is fascinating because she will tell me it's stupid or she will tickle me while I'm doing it to tell me she's helping me. <laughs> right. So as much as she protests that it's a, it's a silly activity I do, the, the one day in a year that I don't do it, she wakes up half asleep, looks around, says, what? No push-ups? There's something wrong in the world. Right. They, you know, because women see everything. Um, yes, they do. But it's, it's, <laughs> but it's in those little moments that a man can conquer this thing about the excuses he uses to not do what he's supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Right. And then I, I also, so it's connected to, 
you know, the excuses, justifications, lies. And if I, I can acknowledge that I don't feel like doing it or I'm, I'm, I'm late or this is silly, if I can master that in the morning through this daily discipline, then uh, the rest of the day goes for it, you know, more smoothly. And this works. I've, I've tested this with old men and young men with scouts. And it's a profound, it's a, it's one of those simple, practical things that a man can do that will lead him to develop his discipline. And you have to think about it as a muscle. Any muscle that I exercise gets stronger. Anything that I don't will atrophy and men's discipline is atrophying. Oh, no question about that. And I assume you put the attitude and discipline after, after the opening about purpose on, mm-hmm. for a reason, right? So those two, if you, I assume you mean if you have your purpose directly in front of you at all times, then your attitude and self-discipline when they start to wane or when, when you struggle, I assume you're suggesting that if you keep your purpose in mind, that's what will keep you going. Right. Which and, without that purpose, you won't, it'll be hard. And, and the yep. purpose doesn't, yeah, yes, because it, the purpose gives you the, the why, the reason, the, the motivation. And, uh, you know, purpose can be simple as uh, my purpose is to provide and protect my family. Yeah, and, and, exactly. and then, right. you know, but I got I got convicted many years ago because um, I, I realized that the only way to provide and protect my children is to care for the community that I'm going to leave them. I was fed up with everyone my age saying, well, the next generation is going to fix the problem. Mm. You know, well, how are they going to fix it if we've made it worse and we haven't taught them how to fix it? They're going to magically figure it out. I don't think so. Right, right. So, and there just aren't enough people, honestly, Paul, like you, in my opinion, um, who are willing to go out on a limb and do, you know, I mean, first of all, most people don't write books and they don't write books about this. Um, and, and they don't, they don't, I don't know. I just find that parents are just talk about going along to get along when you're talking about the husbands before. I think parents are doing that mm-hmm. in a big way. Um, they're acting and, like and, children while they expect their children to act like adults. Bingo. I say that all the time. And I mean, where, where's the turnaround going to come if it's not from strong parenting, teaching the opposite of what the culture is teaching you. I just don't see where it's going to come from. It certainly isn't going to come from the media, <laughs> you know? So anyway, okay, moving on. And we're going to get into money matters now. So mm-hmm. you make a great statement here. I want you to explain. You said money matters. I'm sorry. Sorry, this is underneath the category of money matters. Your relationship with money is the best reflection of who you are. Can you explain that? Uh, because it communicates what you spend your money on. Are you spending your money on yourself? Are you investing that for trying to build a future and provide for your family long term? Um, are you generous? Right. You know, um, you know, I, I look at how I invest my money um, as a reflection of, of what I value. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so if you're a chronic spender and not doing that, that makes another statement, right? <laughs> right. It means you're not disciplined. You're right. You're, you're, you're selfish and, and men really don't need very much. No, no. You know, we're pretty simple. We, you know, we can eat this, the same meal every day for a week and don't care. Right. Yeah. Cause it's, you know, something that we decided that we like. Um, and we don't need any fancy accommodations. No. Right? So, oh yeah. my God. I know that. Right. So, so everything that a man does to provide that home for his wife is a gift. It's his, his generosity, his care, his saying, I want to take care of you. Um, you also point out, which I'm, I literally deal with every single week um, with coaching. You said, if you and your wife don't share the same discipline around money, it will be a constant source of friction in your marriage. And I would go a step further and say, if you're not on the same team and your monies aren't pooled, that will also be the case. And your marriage pretty much will not last. It just won't. And if it does last, it's going to be, like you said, just fraught with friction the whole time. I had a, I had a man, uh, an elderly, elderly man call me out of the blue when I was writing the book. And, and he told me that when he was dating, he put his fiance's name on the bank account and his, his, his fiance, then fiance was like, why did you do that? And he said, simply, if I can't trust you now with my money, then I can't trust you when you're married. And they were married, you know, 75 years. Right. And, and I challenge men all the time, you know, to pool their resources and, and they, they fight it, they fight it, they fight it. And then when they eventually do, 
um, the relationship gets better, right? Because it communicates that you're all in. But if I'm holding my separate and you're separate, then, then that's not a union, it's a partnership. That's interesting because I don't have the experience of men trying to hold it. I have only the other side. Only women who are refusing to do it or not understanding the significance of doing it. Well, and the men want to do it. Yeah. Or, but if the wife refuses, they don't, they don't, they just leave it. Well, that's true. Right, yeah. Right. right. So they, they don't lead. It's an area where the man has to lead. Bingo. When you got married, things were perfect. You were both in love and life was good. Then somewhere along the line, everything changed. She changed. Or maybe he did. Either which way, now your relationship feels, well, hard. I coach husbands and wives who feel lonely, disrespected, or misunderstood in their relationship. So many women today are desperate for their husbands to step up to the plate, to make a decision and to stick to it, to lead rather than to follow. Ladies, you have the power to make it happen. Men respond best to women who are grounded in their feminine core. As for husbands, so many of them want their wives to stop nagging and to just trust them, to smile more and to complain less, to look at them the way they did when they were first dating. Men, you have the power to make it happen. Women respond best to men who are grounded in their masculine core. The secret to lasting love rests in the masculine-feminine dance. Once you master it, your relationship will no longer be difficult. You'll be moving with the biological tide rather than against it. And that makes marriage smooth sailing. If you're struggling in your relationship, if you feel frustrated or alone, I can help. Just go to SuzanneBanker.com, that's S-U-Z-A-N-N-E-V-E-N-K-E-R.com, and click on the coaching button at the top. Don't wait another minute to acquire the mindset you need to find love and to sustain it. It's so much easier than you think. That's SuzanneBanker.com. Okay, and then another thing you say, I'm a couple of provocative things coming up here. I mean, not to you and me, (laughs) but probably to the rest of, I don't know. To anybody listening, um, it is far too costly to a man for him to subordinate his career to his wife's career. Now, Paul, you and I know that is par for the course with millennials. Mm -hmm. They do not understand this concept at all. And it's not until 10 years in when that wife wants to stay home and can't that I come in the picture and they think I can help them clean it up. When, of Mm -hmm. course, and you can clean it up, but you're going to have to completely change the way you view everything. And the decisions that you made financially prior to marriage um, might have to be undone. Go ahead. I'm going to let you explain that what you meant by that. Um, Well, again, going back to it's it's a it's our it's a man's way to provide for and protect his family. If she's doing the job, if she takes his job away because she's the breadwinner and focus on their career, then what's his role? You know, so uh, it it diminishes it, and you know, um, I believe that you know children need their their mothers, mm-hmm. and and the more time they spend with the mothers, the the better, right? You know, men. I haven't spent a lot of time <clears throat> thinking about this, but you know, when when men used to, uh, you know, when the industrial revolution came along, men left the fields and they went into factories. And sons lost that side by side training and experience with with, this, with the, their fathers. Well, and that was destructive for men, but not as costly as what's happening to young women now, who are much more oriented around, around relationship mm-hmm. and not yep. having their mother to have that relationship. And you know, when my wife um, stopped working. She worked for a number of years, but then we had enough kids that it just didn't make any sense. And, and her friends, I think out of jealousy, were, were, were belittling her. And I said, there isn't a woman on the planet that doesn't want what you have. A man who's, who's committed to you, who's going to provide for you the rest of your life, and you have the freedom to raise your children. And, and if in the future you want a career, you can do whatever you want. And yep. when... Bingo. And, and nobody's telling them that when they're no, younger. So, so, so they're getting stuck and they're right. like, wait a minute, I want to stay home. Just, I mean, even for five years, forget the whole 18, whatever, whatever you just literally can't. So it's it, uh, maddening, absolutely maddening. And, and, um, and, you know, what I will say is my daughters never had that um, tension when they were in, in, you know, in high school, right? They, everyone expects, oh, your relationship with your daughter is going to be a disaster. If anything, my daughters became closer to their mothers, right? Even into college. And my daughters would, would um, chew out their friends if they were being disrespectful to their mothers because it just wasn't, wasn't right. Yes. Um, yeah. So the, but the benefit, 
I don't know the connections made for people and understanding that that respect comes from the time that you put in to build that bond and relationship. Yes. That's it. And and men men you know men communicate you know through our actions. And one of the hard messages I say in the book is how a man behaves is the most act in his marriage is the most accurate reflection of his character. And if a man can pay attention, if if the children are being disrespectful for, to the wife in any way, you taught them. So stop. Right. Yep. And and when there's conflict, the other disaster happens. When when there's conflict in the marriage, a man since we like what we're good at, and we're obviously not good at being married because there's conflict. We'll turn our attention to our children and say, well, look at me. I'm a good dad. You know, I'm spending time with them. I'm, you know, I'm taking them to the game and doing all that, right? Which is not about the children at all. It's all about you know, their ego trying to be a good father because they failed at being a husband. And I, you know, so I say the only way to be a good father is to be a great husband. Yes, that is I- a provocative challenge that when men accept, everything changes. If I take great care well, of yeah, that's a, that's a game changer because that's a mind shift, right? And if I take great care of my wife, guess what? She's going to take phenomenal care of the kids, and she did, and it's amazing. And I, I, I I'm so grateful that she did. Um, okay, two more provocative ones. A woman's job has little impact on the strength of a marriage, but her husband's employment status can be a threat. I think for a lot of those things that we just talked about. Right. If you take away where a man, everybody wants a place that they will contribute, a place where they belong. And if you take away a man's contribution, if he's if he's uh, failing there, then um, it just affects men uh, deeply. Definitely. It just falls apart. And the, the irony is that it affects women negatively, too. They originally did it as a way of staving off and, you know, being left behind by the male and um, having nothing Um to fall back on is, which is how sort of the whole mindset began, but then it ballooned into competitiveness. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, of course, everybody should have a skill of some sort and you want to be able to make your own way in the world. Should you have to kind of thing, but it became something much, 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 much bigger and is now totally breaking down the relationship between women and men. And, and, you know, you know, families that have children, you know, raising good citizens is a profoundly important role. Way more than you know, most important, role. right? More important than you know, making some corporation more money. Uh, no question about it. But then that, of course, gets into the values of our country and how that vastly they've shifted away from understanding that. Um, I mean, that we only value paid work. Mm-hmm. That's it. We just we just don't value anything that doesn't have come with a paycheck. It's just that's a whole bigger conversation about values. I think. Okay. Um, now this one, I think I'm looking at this one thinking about men listening to it. So um, once again, I don't see see it as provocative, but other people will. It is best if a man is willing to be 100% responsible for the financial well-being of his family and that he leads them to live within their means. Now, again, 30, 40, 50 years ago, no problem. Today, <laughs> that's essentially being read as, oh, you're telling your wife what she can and can't spend. That's what they'll hear, which is why that's why I make my own money so that I can be told what to do, blah, blah. You know, that's where that comes from. Well, again, it comes back to having the same values around finances and and, and having a union, not a partnership. Right. A marriage is not a, a partnership. It's a union. And we all have to be all in and make sure that we're focused on what's best for the marriage. And what's best for the marriage is financial security and, and the husband's have a critical the primary role in, in, in making, you know, providing for that. Definitely. Okay. Um, moving on to the concept. Well, you mentioned it before, um, and it's inter- interdependence. And I think that's a word that's not used enough. Um, you wrote a little story about you about Nancy, you and Nancy, about when you got married young, um, and she worked for many years before she did. Basically, what you just what you, what you just told us, and you said then and then when she stopped working, you had to really step up your game is what you mm-hmm. basically said. I wasn't a hundred percent responsible for my family's financial needs. And now I was, I had to step up to this day. We remember how our marriage almost instantly grew stronger. The deeper trust yielded greatest, greater intimacy in that very moment. We were no longer two halves sharing each portion of our, of the work. We were now completely interdependent and we could focus 
each focus our energies on what we do best. Tell people what interdependent means. I think that's a very important word. Uh, well, a lot of people are in relationships because they're codependent. They, they need the other person. Then we become independent, which means we are able to take care of ourselves. But when you come together to, to have a family, to, to be married, then you have to rely on the strengths of, of your partner and, and deliver and provide your strengths. And the, the intimacy in a marriage comes from this, from, comes from the trust, comes from the woman feeling secure and the man, you know, taking ownership and being responsible. And the more the, I, I write, you know, the, your wife finds her security in the depth of your self-discipline, right? The more disciplined a man is, the more secure the woman is, is going to be. And I say that when a woman has that security, then she will lead and, and manage the relationship through love, not control. Women who are scared control, which drives men nuts, right? So, so that's actually the next the next <laughs> thing I want to talk about. I'm never going to get into the meat of it because this is, of course, literally what I what I do. So let's get into that whole control thing and it really explain this to men because it's so important. So many men don't understand why their women react the way they do. And a hundred percent of the time, I mean, when I say react the way they do, I mean negatively in mm -hmm. any way, negative, whatever you want to call it, nagging, complaining, um, yelling, whatever bad behavior you want to call it. Almost a hundred percent of the time it's related to fear. Yes. And insecurity. Insecurity because you're doing, it's not that you're to blame for why she reacts that way. She should not react that way. She should not. But it's important to know where that's coming from. Otherwise, you're just sort of flailing about in the dark, right? It's almost always coming from your lack of self-discipline or stepping up. And that makes her feel scared. Makes it scared and, and, and crazy and controlling. And again, when, when a woman is secure, she can, you know, her best quality, which is love, will come out. Bingo. When she's scared, she's going to close down and, and, and control. And so, you know, I'm not going to get into the psychology of why that is the way it is. It just is. So if that's if that's the if there is gravity, here's how you deal with the gravity. You don't lift up heavy objects over your head. You make machines. Right. Right. So the book is all about the principles are the what they are. Here's how you navigate those. Right. right? Not. Not discussing why they're that way or should they be that way. Doesn't matter, right? right. You know, I'll be dead before we figure that out. Right. <laughs> but what I do know is the more disciplined I become, the more loving she is, the more secure she is. Yes. And oh, by the way, the, I think that the, these three things, right, being disciplined, committed, and generous, which are necessary in marriage, are also the same qualities that a man has to develop to be successful professionally. Right. So, so if it's, you, a win it's a win, it's completely a win win. Right. You're not doing it for her. You don't have to look at it like I have to do this in order for her to love me or something. No. It's it's not about that. Right. It's about being the best you can be, whether you have a woman in your life or not. Right. And the more men that are you know walking around being disciplined, committed, and generous, the more women would be willing and feel safe enough to um, you know enter into their care. Because men 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 care. You know, contrary to popular belief, men care deeply. Right. Men. Men make sure. huge, okay. you know, sacri a, a man's sacrifice is all about his his care. So just to explain that 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 controlling nature a little bit further, later in the book, you have a section on the taming of the shrew, which I am sure some people will know who are listening that that's a 19, uh, 1950, 1590s <laughs> William Shakespeare play. Uh, it's a tale of a father's efforts to marry off his daughter to a good suitor. And you explain, you sort of go over what that was about. And, and in it, you write, the more, what ends up happening in this dynamic is that the more difficult she becomes, the more persistent his advances. He returns spite with compliments. What is important is he is so secure in himself that he's never swayed or discouraged by her efforts to push him away. He doesn't alter his intention or change his behavior because of how she responds. So eventually she comes around and surrenders to her care, into, into his care. And that's just a... A, a great story that exemplifies what we're talking about is the j worry about yourself. She will, she will become soft. It's about, you don't want her to be hard. I know that men don't want them to be mm -hmm. hard. They don't want conflict. They don't want the 
upset. So the way to do that isn't to just throw up your hands and run away or to get defensive and scream back. It's to just focus on being disciplined. Well, like you're saying, the three things you discipline, what is other, what are the three? Uh, Discipline, committed, and generous. Discipline, committed, and generous. Um, And when you do that, she naturally softens, which was the point of that. And and those three qualities exemplify strength. And, you know, in your conversation with Allison, you talked about how attractive a strong man is. Yep. Yep. Strong, confident, disciplined, in control. Uh, Says what you mean, mean what you say. I mean, again, all of these things are ways to be the best man you can be, regardless of whether you're married, regardless of whether you have a woman in your right. life. And it's, and it's harder not to be, right? We think it's a lot of work to be these things. It's, it's harder to live our lives without these things. Now explain that, because I would think through that men would think it's the opposite. Uh, absent commitment, you have addictions. Absent discipline, you have chaos. You, you're making decisions based upon whether you're happy and, and who decides whether you're happy. You do. So change your, you know, change your mind. And again, men care, right? And if, if a man is not expressing that his care through his generosity, then it too will atrophy. And men, men who um, have avoided marriage because they're afraid to fail wake up in their, you know, mid 40s and 50s, a fraction of the man that they could have become. Because Marriage and becoming a father are two powerful rites of passage. And, and men don't have, you know, we're not, we have uh, obligations and responsibilities. And there is honor in fulfilling those. And it's those obligations and responsibilities that cause us to be a better man. And if you take those away, you take away the impetus, the catalyst to uh, mature and grow as a man and, and to make your life meaningful. I agree. I'd like to touch on the, you know, the conflict that you're talking about, the nagging, right? I, you know, there's a very powerful tool called the request translator, critically important. Okay. Because right? again, because of their security, women uh, don't typically ask for what they want. They will complain. And if a man is insecure, going back to a man needing to be secure, if a man hears a complaint and he's insecure, he's going to defend himself. And that is disgusting to a woman to hear a man defend himself. So a woman might simply say, you know, you're never home. And then a man goes on a tyrant about, oh, I'm working, you know, two jobs to keep a roof over your head and because you're spending, right? And he goes in this whole big spewing vomit of, of defending himself when, and that creates conflict, mm-hmm. right? And, and nasty conflict, um, and so, you know, the chapter five is all about, you know, conflict, divorce, and restitution. These here, if a man can understand what causes conflict, he can mm-hmm. eliminate conflict, then he will have a conflict-free marriage. And since men like what we're good at, if you have a conflict-free marriage, you're going to like it a lot better. <laughs> yeah, it's right? so. So eliminate the conflict. So the, the one of the most important ways that a man can eliminate the conflict is to change his listening. So when I, 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 I write, whenever you hear anything that from her that sounds like a complaint about you, you're not able to respond until you can t- translate the complaint into a request. So the, the request when a woman says, you're never home, is I want to be with you. Mm-hmm. And if a man can hear, I want to be with you, so if he's insecure, he's going to defend himself. And that's the negative side of her ego. But if he can hear, I want to be with you, particularly when he knows he's the only man on the planet that can satisfy that request, his ego is going to draw him to answer that request. So the same language, the same you know, communication or miscommunication when, when corrected can change something that you know, forces a further divide in the, in the relationship, it brings them closer. That is magical. You know, I I talked to a man who struggled with conflict for 30 years in his life. He cared about his wife and she was dying of cancer. And I taught him this and he gave his wife the final year, it gave her peace. There was no more conflict. And, And he is, you know, grateful that he finally learned that. I suspect, correct me if I'm wrong, since I'm not a man, that men don't know how to do this on their own naturally, what you just described, because they're not 
typically as intuitive as women are in terms of what's really happening behind the words. Correct. So I would imagine that most men, I mean, how would they know this they, if they, they don't know this? Somebody has to teach them. Yeah. And, and again, we, and, and because most, because we're, 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 we live in a society where, where we say everybody's the same, but we're not the same. We're equal, but not the same. And so for men, language is the vehicle of communication. We only talk when we have something to say and whatever we say, we want you to know, right? Because if we talked, you know, going, you know, in the prehistoric themes, if we talked when there was you know, not a time to talk, then we'd scare the animal away. Yes. Right? For women, and this is, again, a, a clue for men when they're listening, for women, language is the vehicle of relationship, Right. I don't know how they do it, but women can have three conversations at the same time. Men can't do that. Right. So and and Alison Armstrong does all her things about, you know, what's the point and, and whatnot. Men are always listening for the point. So we think the point is what you say. Right. Right. That's what I mean. Like they have to hear they're really going to have to hear like re replay this last five minutes over and over to understand how to respond next time their wife makes what they it sounds a like a complaint. That's why it's the translator, right? It's a trans. Yeah. You, 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 a complaint goes in, a request comes out. Yes, and I can I can vouch for this person. I wish my husband were here. I mean, we've been married twenty three years this year, and we're always figuring it out, always learning something new, right? It's just been this giant ass lesson in how to love someone, right, mm -hmm. and live with them for all these years. It just doesn't happen on the first year. So, one of the things that he does now that he didn't do in the past is, um you know, bring me down off that ledge, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'll go up real quick with my anxiety. And he has these, this skill now that he absolutely didn't have 10, 15 years ago where he, he can either um, use humor mm -hmm. to get me down or a really big one lately has been, he recites back what's going on in my head. <laughs> he knows what I'm actually thinking. And then he just says, he, he like says out loud what I'm actually thinking. And I just start laughing and I completely deflate and become soft again. Mm -hmm. It's just miraculous. And believe me, we didn't come to this knowing this, he and I, yep. right? We've learned this by persevering and now want to share it with other people. It's not like we're somehow all knowing people mm -hmm. who figured this out you know, on day one. And I would say, I would say the quality that he probably brought was more playfulness than humor, right? Because he's not making fun of you. He's not joking, but he's he's demonstrating his security in this turmoil with with his yeah. playfulness. And and playfulness is a, again, you know, just like is is a demonstration of strength which women find attractive. We had the very you know, similar situation. I did something that my, you know, Nancy was upset with and she was winding herself up and I was, you know, watching her get wound up. And, and I said, honey, honey, you got to know what the best part is, right? She was calling me a jerk and things like that. I said, honey, you got to know what the best part of this is. And she's looked contorting <laughs> while she's getting, you know, worked up and says, what could be the, what could possibly be the best part of you being the biggest jerk on the planet? Now I had a I had a pause. It's like hmm, best one on the planet. That's pretty high status. That's our but <laughs> right. And then I then I said, I'm I'm your jerk. And that same reaction. She just it, she forgot what she was upset at. She just completely melted and started laughing. And we had we had an enjoyable night together. So Paul, you talked about one of the reasons why this book is geared specifically to men being better husbands and fathers. It really is about saving the family, is it not? Yes, it is. And, and you know, there's lots of statistics about the impact on children with fatherless homes. And, and that could be a whole podcast uh, along, the, along this way. But the children can't help themselves. The only way, if the f husbands and the fathers are the leaders, the only way to help the children and save them, rescue them from that pain of a conflict ridden in a broken home is to equip the husbands, the fathers with the skills and the principles and the understanding to be disciplined, committed, generous men, which they want to be anyway, but they don't know how to get there. And this is this is the guide. And once they do, they decide that they like it because, again, men like what we're good at. Right. So when a man becomes good at being a husband and a father, then he decides he likes it, creates a loving and a you know, secure home. He's able to contribute to something that he cares about. And in the long run, right, married men, you know, there's plenty of statistics on this, married men live happier, longer lives, right? They have better, you know, better uh, enjoyment, mental better, better, better mental health, better uh, physical health. Um, so you win 
you know, everybody wins, right? If everybody walked this path, everybody would win. The husbands would win, the, the wives would, would benefit, and the children, most importantly, the children would win. Agreed. And I know that, um, so this is going to go up on YouTube, Paul, and there's a lot of men on there who will talk about family court system and divorce, and that's a whole different conversation. But, and, and so I can hear them saying, yeah, this is all well and good until you, until you have this other problem that you get into. And I just want to, I just want to say to that, that the whole point of this, one of the whole points is, is to not get there right. to the begin with, right? And so I hear that if that's happened to your life thus far, okay, but let's start over and say, hey, if you if you want to avoid that, let's not fight over what happens when you get there. Let's try to keep us from getting there. And that's really what I'm doing. And that's what you're doing, right? Right. right. We can We can mitigate the consequences, but the best thing is to eliminate them, right? One of the things I say is the easiest mess to clean up is the one you don't make. And the way a man that doesn't make the mess is he reads chapter one and two about how to be prepared. He attracts a woman who believes in what he is. He learns how to be successful in his relationships with his wife. He keeps his attitude focused on how he's going to care for them. And then everything, everything works. And the other thing that the other struggle is since men aren't being raised by men, they don't have good relationships with men. A man who doesn't have the respect of other men will seek the approval and affection of a woman, which she will never give him if he needs it. So they're chasing this affection, right, when they need the, uh, the respect of other men. A man who has that respect has found and taken his place, you know, has that. He's, he can't be dissuaded and, and taken off track by a woman's you know, approval or with withholding of that approval. Right. right. Which is when you say that in the book, something like if that's how, you know, you're doing it wrong is if you're trying to coordinate in your mind, what you're going to say and do based on what she's going to mm -hmm. do in response to that, that's how, you know, you're going down the wrong path. Yeah. Right. Right. These, these men who are, you know, going along to get along are seeking their approval and affection, which is not, you know, which is not what men value. Men value respect and women value love. And that, and that goes back to Ephesians, you know, this is, these are not new principles, but they're not, they're not being taught. So I'm going to read, I'm going to read the title again of this book, and then you can tell people where, where they can find it. It's the essential guide for the married man. Although I would say, even if you're not married, right, right. it still applies to you. And then the subtitle is principles and lessons for navigating a successful marriage and a meaningful life. So that even if you didn't necessarily get married, um, this will still work in your, in your uh, on your behalf. And, and if you're prepared, then you'll find marriage to be much, um, much more meaningful, right? It is it's, and easier <laughs> and, 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 far, and far happier and, and, and easier, right? Like yeah. the, the, it's our obligations and responsibilities that cause us to be a better man. And if we, if a man isn't willing to step into those things, he's going to cheat them himself from the benefit. You know, just as a final note, I feel like these are the types that, like we were talking about before with Boy Scouts, there were ways that men got these messages back in the day if they did, like my husband is a product of divorce and his father did leave and he did not have that. But you know what he did have? A Catholic education. And guess what happens in Catholic schools? <laughs> a lot of these, at least back a lot, then. A lot, of these, a lot of these lessons. A lot of these same principles are taught. So there was, it was more than just that. It was mainly dad, of course, and that's the most important, but there used to be in place these other, you know, religious institutions, or like you said, scouts that fostered the same thing. And of course, now all of those have, have dissipated, disappeared. And think about, you know, I talk about the five qualities of a good masculine relationship. A man will get companionship and counsel, encouragement, a challenge, right? Men don't know how to be challenged anymore. They need to be you know, picked up, dusted off, and you know, sent back into 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 the battle. Um, they need a call to action, a place to contribute. These are in, important elements, and and a man should cultivate those in in those relationships. A man, you know, life is hard, right? Man needs a lot of allies. You don't need to have, you don't need to know how to do everything. But if you know people who know how to do those things, then again, that will give a man greater security because I can do more difficult and challenging things. I can step up because I, I have this network and that network has to be cultivated by you being invested in the men around you. Absolutely. Oh, amen. This has been great, Paul. I really appreciate your coming on. Tell people where they can find you or the book. Uh, the best place to find the book is um, on Amazon. Um, 
the essential guide for the married man and the marriedman.net will talk about the request translator and you'll find more information there. Awesome. So great talking to you, Paul. Thank a you so pleasure much. Pleasure and good luck. And I, I applaud the work that you do. Awesome. Thank you very much for being a listener. Bye-bye. Bye, Paul. And that ends this hour of the Suzanne Banker Show. Don't forget to continue the conversation on Facebook by typing in the Facebook search bar, The Suzanne Banker Show. Also, please recommend this podcast to one friend you think would enjoy it. And don't forget to leave us a review on whatever platform you're now using. Finally, if you have a question or comment for me, you can email me at Suzanne at the Suzanne Banker Show.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great week.